In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Our text is Acts 9, verses 1 to 22, which has been read. I call your attention to the sixth verse. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. The account of Paul's conversion from the zealous Pharisee Saul to the Christian missionary St. Paul is related three times in the book of Acts. Twice by Paul himself in his judicial proceedings that sent him to Rome, and the first time narrated by Luke, the author of Acts, in today's reading. It is a dramatic story. A story of the change in life direction by this driven and exceptional man. Before his conversion, Paul was a Pharisee on fire for the God of Israel, the God whose will was expressed in the law or Torah. Paul understood rightly the claims of the Christians, which made Jesus Christ the expression of God's will, thus displacing the law. This seemed blasphemous and idolatry with Christ as the idol or icon to be worshipped. And what Paul came to realize is that the law of God was fulfilled in the coming of Christ. And being fulfilled was no more the expression of God's will apart from Christ. It is as if servants had been told to wait at the station until the master's son arrived. The son arrived, but the servants at the station refused to recognize him, and while some eventually accompanied the son home, others remained at the station, waiting to this day, imagining that they are faithful to the master's command, not realizing that they were no longer doing their master's will. Christ intervened in Paul's life in an obvious way. Paul had gone so far as to get letters from the high priests in Jerusalem, for they had jurisdiction over the Jewish communities outside Judea. And these letters authorized Paul to arrest those who taught that Jesus was the Christ. So with a small party of bounty hunters, Paul was riding into Damascus to arrest such Christians like Ananias, the one who eventually baptized Paul. Without warning, light appeared from the sky, and Christ appeared to Paul, who fell off his horse. Who are you, Lord? He asked, bewildered. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. But rise and enter the city, and you will be told what you are to do. Now Saul had never persecuted Christ while he was on earth. He had not come to Saul's attention. But you see, in doing to others, in persecuting one of the least of these, you did it unto me, says Jesus. In this statement to Paul, Christ is proclaiming that those who belong to him are part of his body, the body of Christ. And so as Paul persecuted believers, he was persecuting Christ. When I was young, I used to long for an appearance of Christ, a vision of God, so that I could be sure of my faith. Countless other Christians have begged God for visions, for experiences, for proofs that Christ is Lord. 
A few, like Doubting Thomas, have had their requests granted. But as often as not, God appears to those who haven't asked for Him. God appears to those who weren't looking for Him. In fact, the Lord appears usually to those who already believe and have no need for their own belief to be confirmed. Furthermore, most Christians eventually recognize that God manifests Himself to us through means so common that we overlook their value and miraculous quality. God's Word comes to us through a community that has endured 20 centuries despite persecution, apathy, corruption, and all the roadblocks the world of flesh and the devil could throw in their way. The words of the Bible resonate in our hearts after 3,000 years, more than poetry half that age, or even most contemporary poetry. What contemporary poem is as famous, as well-known, or as moving as the words of Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. These words preserved in manuscripts unchanged over 2,000 years is a marvel and a miracle if we stop to think about it. And the conversion of Paul is an example of the miracle of faith. You know, God is not sought after by people unless he plants that desire in their hearts. God does not reward those who seek him so much as seek those he wishes to reward solely out of his grace. And in Paul, we see God's instrument of grace converted in a moment to proclaim grace and acceptance to the Gentiles, the non-Jews, those who weren't looking for a Messiah or a Savior. Let's face it, you and I are believers only because God has intervened in our lives. He intervened in baptism when he gave us the gift of faith and called us his sons and daughters. He intervened through the word of God carried by various messengers, our parents or grandparents who taught us to pray and brought us to church, our teachers and pastors who preached the word of God to us, through those who placed the scriptures in our hands so that we could meditate on their truth and receive God's message. And as God himself who makes the seed of his word grow in our hearts so that what begins small begins to dominate our, our thinking and our desires and our ultimate destination. As Luther puts it in the small catechism, I cannot by my own reason or strength Believe in Jesus Christ, my Lord, or come to him. But the Holy Spirit has called me by the gospel, strengthened me with his gifts, sanctified and kept me in the true faith. In the same way he calls, gathers, enlightens, and sanctifies the whole Christian church on earth and keeps it in the one true faith. St. Paul is exceptional in the speed and manner as well as in the life and ministry that proceeded from his conversion. But even he was baptized and instructed, made part of Christ's body, the church, before embarking on the great life of ministry and suffering ahead. Have you been converted? 
Has Christ intervened in your life? Or are you still in a stage of ignorance? Who are you, Lord? Who is in the driver's seat of your life? Are you serving God or the self? I still struggle with that question. As every believer does. We are faced with every choice, every decision that we make. Am I doing this because it's pleasing to God or am I doing it just to please myself? We all have a lot of room to grow in that regard. What are you willing to suffer for Christ? Many of us find it difficult to forgive a slight or an annoyance. You know, many of us would rather blame than praise. An attitude that makes us unpleasant to others and repugnant to God. We need a conversion. A conversion not in our formal affiliation so much as in our hearts and our desires and our habits and our words and our thoughts. This is what the Holy Spirit is given for, that we might be changed, turned, face the glory of God and His blessing and give praise for that. And you know, there's an interrelationship of trust, obedience, and fear. If you trust someone or something, say a map, you will obey and fear to disobey what it says. This applies even more to God. If we trust Him, we will fear and obey. This is why there is no faith without works and why the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And the cure for us who lack obedience is not more works, but rather to call on God to give us more faith. Call upon the name of the Lord and you shall be saved. This was the keynote of Peter's Pentecost sermon and the text of more than one sermon of St. Paul. And this is what Paul learned in the days of fasting that followed Christ's appearance to him. He learned to call on the name of Jesus. May the knowledge of Paul's conversion, that it's the power of God in our lives, lead us to desire it, to seek it, to ask for it, and let the power of God have its way in our lives that we may live lives of praise and encouragement towards others, praise and faithfulness to our God. Amen. Amen. And may that peace of God that surpasses understanding keep your hearts and minds in this true faith to life everlasting. Amen. Amen.